Lyrics, tits. <laughs> and suddenly Matt's computer is just crushed by the onslaught of pop-up ads for uh, penis enlargement. <laughs> yes. But then you hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on the Hello and uh, welcome to Crush on Radio, a, a weekly, bi-weekly, whenever we can get to it, I guess, music discussion show about music and music fandom and all that fun stuff. I'm joined as typical by uh, Matt Keeling. Yep. And Andrew Marvin. Good afternoon. Yes, or morning if you're in Matt's time zone. Mm-hmm. Which we're not. Yes. Well, or, of am. course, <laughs> if you're listening to this, we have no idea what time it is for you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the magic of podcasts. Yes. As uh, I know you're not a fan of uh, Mr. Anatko, but as he likes to say when he starts a show, good morning, afternoon, evening, delete as appropriate. <laughs> so clever and gets cleverer every time. <laughs> so we've got a uh, real, at least two thirds of us are kind of bummed today because, uh, and we'll explain why in the uh, second half of the program, I guess. So, but, uh, well, let's explain it now. Um, the, uh, this past week, um, the most famous drummer for Devo, Alan Myers, the nicknamed the human metronome passed away from brain cancer. Yeah. He was only what? 58. Yeah. Which means he's the, also the youngest of the Devo members, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. Cause I mean, well, I mean, for one, I mean, brain cancer is awful. Like, I, uh, I had an aunt who had who died of brain cancer about two years ago, I think now, and yeah, she like had all like all these surgeries and stuff, and it was just no fun. So that's not not a particularly uh, good way to go. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he hadn't played with the band for almost thirty years now. So, but it's you know he is the defun when you think of drummers in Devo if you think of drummers in Devo you think of Alan Myers so yeah and honestly I mean like he's you know on my very short list of like best drummers ever and probably number one same here so we'll have to come back we'll circle back to that but uh, yeah. yeah I mean but he was just an amazing phenomenal drummer and from everything I've heard he was like a pretty nice guy too so yeah yeah so um, we do have albums to talk about. We have some other stuff. Uh, let's see, we're episode nine of the season, so we're following the cycle. It's Matt's turn, I believe. Okie dokie. Um, basically, uh, this time I I picked a, a a pick that has probably been coming for uh, quite some time. Um, because I'm I'm really surprised that we've never talked about Sparks on the show as as a pick. Um, so I am now uh. Putting that to rest, and I have picked Indiscreet, which is one of my favorite of the Sparks records. Um, so, and I, I actually picked a song called Tits. Hey, so you can't say that on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you can't see tits on the radio. That's what that's what Scissor Sisters says. But 
But um, anyway, though, we're going to have to bleep. We're going to have to bleep all that out. I'm going to have to put you on like an eight second delay. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, well, do you want me to change the title then? Like, uh, do you want do you want to play a little bit of um, boobies right now? <laughs> yes. So drink, hurry, drink, hurry, drink till you can't see no more of anything, no more of anything. Drink, hurry, drink, hurry, drink till you can't see no more. For months, for years, chips were once a source of fun and games at home. And now she says, chips are only there to feed our little Joe so that he'll grow. Well, first I'd like to talk about um, Tits, just because I think it's a really great song in that... And also Tits are awesome. Well, yeah, but I mean, but I mean the song, though, is like a song called Tits you think is going to be a goofy novelty number that's going to be... Probably a little bit sexist, but in probably that kind of way where it's sort of more of like just boobs are awesome, and I'm not I'm going to ignore the fact that there's a woman attached. But you know, you, you hear you that Seth McFarley? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you think that kind of of ty- uh, t- uh, song is going to be attached to that title? But actually, like, I mean, this is the thing is that's so amazing about Sparks is that tits is actually about a man being cuckolded by his friend and the the whole thing is that like you know uh basically the uh once the man's wife had a child she's uh lost interest in him and is actually like hooking up with his friend but well, so really, that, that, i don't think it's actually made exactly clear that he's that his wife is hooking up with the friend that he's drinking with it's it's left ambiguous i don't know i th- i i always think of it as like pretty clear because I think in, let me look up the, the lyric real quick hold on oh yeah right here uh, God the rooming, room is spinning around hey drive me home old pal God you sure get around Harry I know it's you who's breaking up my home Harry don't say a word just drop me off at home Harry forgive me Harry let's just have one more yeah that it's that last part that makes you think that it's, it's ambiguous because you know the guy's drunk and pissed and so he's like oh it's your fault no no I'm, I'm sorry forgive me I'm drunk let's have another one <laughs> Okay, I, I don't know. I How I saw it is that, like, I, how I, I've always read the line is that um, Harry is indeed uh, sleeping uh, with the wife, but he, like, but the narrator of the song actually does, like, forgive him. So I don't know. Everybody's saying forgive me. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's sort of more of, like, forgive me for being upset about it. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, that, it's... That's what makes this song so awesome, I guess, because you can have these interpretations. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, still though, I mean, it's like it, it, I, either way. I mean, it's kind of a sad song. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's really funny that you would have like a, a, a song called "Tits" on the back of the record sleeve, and you you know, <laughs> it completely subverts expectations and also happens to be a really good song. But anyway, though, the rest of the album, the rest of the album that does not have tits. <laughs> Um, I, I love this one because it's got that really like kind of um, retro sound. Like, I mean, there's like a very, you know, kind of a swing thing. Like you have like uh, looks, looks, looks on there, which has a very, you know, old timey kind of sound, you know. And same with like Under the Table with her. It ain't 1918. Get in the swing. Yeah, it's. Um, so you and it's uh, Tony Visconti is producing, 
and it's just a wonderful, wonderful record, I think. Um, and I like of of the the three big uh, um, initial island ones, uh, uh, Kimono My House, this one, and Propaganda. This one is my favorite. Like, um, it, it, for me, it goes like Indiscreet Kimono Propaganda. Even though Propaganda is pretty awesome too. Yeah, Propaganda is okay, but it, it's it's got some kind of okay tracks on it. Not not when Propaganda is good, it is really good. When Propaganda is not so good, it's well, it's it's still it still sparks. Exactly. Yeah. So let's let Andrew talk about this because I think you can tell my opinion about this record. I don't need to even say anything else. <laughs> I will shut up now. I mean, I'm I was also surprised that we had gone this long without a Sparks pick because I have known what ardent fans you both are for quite some time, and uh, so I was glad to get this first exposure. I feel like overall, much in the same way that. Um, Devo is a Rich and Matt thing, or Primus is primarily a Matt and Andrew thing. I feel like Sparks is going to be one of those giant... I'm not sure how big their whole discography is, but well, it's pretty big. 23 um, albums? I think yeah, 23, yeah. So I feel like much in the same way um, of those bands, or trying to uh, break into a band that is so established uh, or has such a such breadth and depth to their discography. I feel like I'm. This is my first exposure to a very large musical behemoth, and because um, I had never heard of Sparks before, pretty much at all, except for what you guys have mentioned briefly on the podcast. Um, so I feel like this is the start of a long uh, journey to understand what this band is all about. Well, you're uh, starting in in one of the right places. Um, mm-hmm. I would actually yeah. recommend Kimono as the as the ultimate starting place. Kimono, my house, but indiscreet, great starting place. Yeah, it's it's not like when I threw the uh, Mongoloid ears at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still recovering from that. Um, but as for this record, I enjoyed it. I found it. I think I found it overwhelming on my as my first Sparks uh, Sparks exposure. Uh, I appreciated the sort of theatricality and quirkiness, and it's a very jaunty sort of sort of record and uh, it kind of reminded me of Queen in several places in terms of that theatricality and sort of real sort of showman chippy I don't know what their live act is like but um, overall I enjoyed it and I think that uh, you know with repeated listens and further exposure to their oeuvre I think uh, I could come to become a fan Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Queen because at one point Queen actually opened for Sparks oh that's interesting yeah, Brian May was uh, almost in the band too, wasn't he? I don't know. Or, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think he auditioned and they almost hired him, but he ended up like going with uh, Queen instead. And I, I think there is a little bit of miffedness between Sparks and Queen, just because I mean, Queen kind of copped their style, <laughs> you know. Well, specifically, Queen copped a certain style of Sparks. Well, yeah, yeah. By the time Queen was doing that style, Sparks had moved on to something else entirely. Well, yeah, but that's kind of the way of Sparks. Like, sort of, same thing happened with the Pet Shop Boys, and I know that they're kind of pissed about the Pet Shop Boys too. Mm. Where you know, I mean, but again, you know, like they weren't using the style at the time, so it's sort of you know. But I mean, with the Pet Shop Boys, I mean, we we can't count harp on this because we got a, a lot to talk about. But Pet Shop Boys, they they they, they were you using that style, but they weren't using that style because I, I associate that two person electronic Spark style with Marodier's, with Georgia Marauder's production. 
mm-hmm. and the Pet Shop Boys never had that. Yeah, you know they yeah. never had the Marauder, you know, doing the sequence spaces and all that shit going down. You know, so there yeah. it's, it's good, but it, it's not. It doesn't sound like Number One in Heaven or even Terminal Jive. That that's true too. I mean, and I, I think like most of the the more pet shop pet shop boysy stuff is the later like uh, gratuitous sax. <laughs> I mean, well, you have like stuff like you know um, when I kiss you, I hear Charlie Parker playing, uh, which is totally pets. I don't know if that's like. If they're Im- aping the apers or, or what, so oh it, no, it, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, because I, I mean that was about the same time as the pets came out, and I think I honestly wait, I don't really no, see pet shop boys. They were they were out there doing their shtick since '84, uh, weren't they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I mean, but I mean, like '88 was around when they were really breaking big, right? And but in gratuitous acts came out in '92. Oh, I thought. Oh yeah, '92. So yeah, never mind. I'm I was thinking of '88, which. That's interior design, and we're not talking. Yeah. We will not discuss that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, never mind. But but yeah, I and I, I again, if anything, it is kind of an aping the apers, if if that even. I mean, because I I know like I mean, Sparks doesn't really have to, you know, rip anybody off because they've kind of done it all anyway. You know. <laughs> true. True. Okay. So, anyway, if we haven't put you to sleep yet. <laughs> um. So, um, I guess uh, this leaves uh, me with the next pick, and uh, this one's this one's kind of a curveball, I think, because um, this is a song that's been played on the radio and quite a lot, in fact. Uh, my pick is um, the iconic EP by Icona Pop, and the song that you probably can't really escape, but if you're me, that's not really a bad thing. It's called "I Love It," and so let's let's hear a little of that right now. I admit this is a weird pick for me because this this is a song that had to grow on me. I think I don't know who played it for me the first time. Probably my uh, former boss at work, and it's like oh, this isn't too bad. But the more I hear it, the more the more it got stuck in my head, and the more I, more I liked it. And it's 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 got this this wonderful. It, it it's a dance song. It's it's silly. It's uh it's got that really you know boom boom synth thing happening and um. And you know the lyrics are kind of fun. It's it you know, it's a sort of like feminist you know, uh, fuck you, ex-boyfriend. I don't need you. I fuck all your shit kind of thing. Which you know, I can I can get behind. And uh, it's just it's just a stupid fun pop song. And I I you know, god damn it, there's there's room in my life for that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know between this and uh, get lucky, I actually have, have have two songs on my rotation that I were like top. 10 hits and like holy crap what's, what's going on who am I what, what what's happening <laughs> and for the love of god I have a Kanye West album in my collection now I, I feel so confused <laughs> is that the uses thing 
Yes. We'll have to save that for another discussion, I think. Mm. So, uh, I like the hell out of this this EP, uh, the song. Uh, I didn't realize they actually had an album out. I've got to go pick that up, so I'm going to have to duplicate a bunch of tracks. And I actually bought a ticket to see them in September at the Music Hall of Williamsburg, though I might not be able to make it because of a work-related thing in San Francisco. So, ah! Okay. Oh, that, I think you, that's you, where you I guys. saw Yoko Ono, which is kind of funny. Hmm. Well, you know? That's very different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. In the... Uh, in the uh, show notes, I have a link to a live performance that they did at Glasslands Gallery in Brooklyn, which uh, uh, I saw a friend of the show, Jonathan Pfeffer, play there. So you never know what kind of shit you're going to see uh, in New York or where. Mm. So you guys talk. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like I've also been kind of undergoing this sort of expanded horizon sort of movement in my musical tastes with between Daft Punk and, you know, listening to Frank Ocean and kind of getting into these genres like like dance and house and hip-hop a little bit, and things that I wouldn't normally even consider listening to, and um, I don't know if that just comes with listening maturity or something, but I, uh, I enjoyed this. I thought it was catchy as hell, and um, I like I like a tight little EP. Um, kind of, I mean, I don't really have much to say about it. I think it's a good good track i don't think i had ever heard it before because i tend to avoid mainstream radio and all its forms but uh oh, you, ne- you never really yeah. heard it when you're like walking into a store or something i mean maybe like, but i'm sure it just went in one ear and out the other but uh but yeah i mean I having it mm, go, go i on. like i uh yeah i like it i love it ha <laughs> i don't care now uh yeah, yeah it's it's for because i'm hearing this and um and and get lucky all over the place um in fact, just the other day, I was at the. There's a Japanese curry restaurant near my office where sometimes we go for lunch. Uh, and if you've never had Japanese curry, it, it's 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 delicious. Um, it so is. <laughs> but, Maybe we uh, can make a crush on Japanese curry. Mm, curry, but uh, I walked in there the other day to get lunch, and what's on the radio? Get lucky. I walk into Dunkin' Donuts one morning for a nice coffee. What's on the radio? I don't care. I you know, I love it. I don't care. <laughs> it's like, huh? What? What? <laughs> I mean, it I, could be worse. It could be worse because these are good songs. Indeed. Because yeah, I I really like this too. Actually, it's kind of funny because like um, um, I I, I like I I think you kind of know that I still pr- like to get um physical copies, and I I've been looking for this for a while, but I don't think it's actually released on CD. I think it's digital only. But um, so when you chose it as a pick, I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> And it's actually really kind of funny how I became aware of them. I mean, aside from seeing their name pop up at work all the time, you know, because, again, I work in radio. They, they're, they like, all over radio. You can kind of put the two together. <laughs> but a lot of times, like, I, I don't really listen to a lot of this stuff, especially on the pop charts, just because most of the, you know, I don't, I don't really deal with the pop formats. And most pop music, I or most stuff that we would play on pop radio is not for me. So anyway, like how I how I found out about this song is really kind of funny because um, my my mom likes the show uh, Dancing with the Stars, hmm. where a bunch of washed up celebrities do dancing on on the I think it's on ABC, and it's like it's you know I mean like I think this season they had like. Andy Dick, you know, uh, and like some like some Disney Channel lady, you know, one of those ones who's 
had a show on Disney Channel that you know anyone over the age of fourteen has no idea who they are and that that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, the thing is, is I mean, she the thing is, is that my both my parents, honestly, I think she says that my dad's actually more into the show than she is, but she still really enjoys it. But um, she's always really loved dancing and what watching dancing. Um, so even that, she's she's like like oh my god, the bands that they get on this and the singers are like almost always shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, but every once in a while they get someone good. Like I guess they had Scissor Sisters on a while ago, um, like a few years ago, and um, they had Icona Pop on a couple a little bit. And mom was all like, "Yeah, there was this like really good like kind of like electronic dance band, and like they did a song and it was like really electronicy." And I, I looked it up and I found out it was Icona Pop, and I was like. And I played the video for her and over the phone. I was like, is this, is this the song? And she goes, yeah, yeah, this is the song. And I watched the song and I was like, this is actually good. What the hell is it doing on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> because honestly, they, they really get a lot of really dire, dire, dire stuff. But anyway, though, so like mom was all like, I kind of want to hear that, their album. And I was like, I kind of do too. So... I've been looking for it for like I said for a while. Uh, never, I was never able to find it, and then you you put it up, and I am very glad because I I really liked this a lot. I this this kind of hits my sweet spot. So mm-hmm. so yeah I, yeah, I like it. So this is like the the one the the, the they're uh, dancing with the stars hit their quota for not absolutely terrible music this year. <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd like it because it, it it does seem to hit your sweet spot of you know poppy, fun, electronic dance music, and done by you know with a you know nice feminist sort of thing happening for it. Yeah. Oh, I do have one other dancing with a star story, which is which is short, which is but it's kind of funny. Uh, one time, like like my mom emailed me the night before an episode aired, going like, "Oh my god, you got to watch Devo is going to be on," and I was like. Devo is going to be on and I think I know where I, this is going. Yeah, I, I ended up like forgetting about it and I and she emailed like the next morning going oh god, I'm so sorry, it wasn't Devo it was Ill Devo and they are awful. Oh my god, they sucked. <laughs> and so there you go. That's, exact, that's exactly where I thought this was going. Ill, <laughs> Ill Devo Ill Devo or whatever the fuck they are. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'll I'll stop talking about a show I don't even like now. <laughs> I know Steve Wozniak. Steve Wozniak was on an episode of that dancing for some reason. So oh, that's weird. all I know. Yep. Really? Yeah. So, um, will the uh, the young man please tell us about young man? Haha! <laughs> nice job. Um, so, in continuing with uh, what I mentioned last episode, which was that 2013 has been a year in which I have discovered much new wonderful stuff Um, my pick for this episode is an album called Beyond Was All Around Me by an artist uh, who goes by the title Young Man Um, I think his real name was Colin Caulfield I believe and uh, it was released this year as I understand it according to there's no Wikipedia entry for this guy and uh, as I understand it, uh, according to the audio biography, which is where I discovered it, um, this is the third in a sort of trilogy of albums released uh, that Colin Caulfield released under the Young Man uh, moniker. 
and uh, I think that Adam King was listening to it on RDO, and I just happened to to click play on it. I just saw it in my sidebar, and uh, the song In Time was playing, was what he was listening to, and I just happened to click play on that song, and I was blown away by it immediately, so we can play some of of that song for the folks. I know virtually nothing about this guy. What I do know is that uh, he started this young man sort of project when he was in college studying English and French literature at Loyola. I'm not sure which Loyola, um, but while he was in college and he would you know, record covers of uh, Animal Collective and Bon Iver and some other stuff and put them on YouTube. And, um, and he's put out a couple of albums or a, a few albums under this name. And uh, this is the third one, I guess, like I said before, and it just totally blew me away because it is so spacious and sort of melodic and dense all at the same time. And it just, it sounds great and it's uplifting. And it's one of those tracks that you just, you hit play on for the first time and it's like 10 seconds and you're like, yep, this is awesome. Um, And I think what really inspires me about this record is that I'm not sure how old this guy is, but just the idea of him being a college student and kind of blazing his own trail as a musician, you know, writing songs in his dorm room and and making this incredible music sort of single-handedly um, is very inspiring to me as, a, as an amateur bass player. Um, you know, and it's really, it's really good in my opinion. Uh, and I think that it's, you know, Rich and I and Matt, you you two with Kitty Sneezes and everything, we we're in kind of this this shift in how people can make a living uh, via the internet now, and how self publishing is becoming a thing, and and self producing albums and releasing records directly to the fans and stuff is is becoming a bigger and more viable option. And um, so the fact that he has achieved uh, such success—I mean, I don't know how much success he's achieved, but the fact that he's achieve such artistic success with an album that I uh, really love is very inspiring to me as a as an amateur musician who would love to be able to do that in my spare time but so I don't know I like it a lot yeah you know it's it's interesting uh, what was the pick that we did last time that was uh, we, we did a pick recently where you said it sounded kind of like Pink Floyd oh uh, Wax Fang I think that was me okay mm-hmm. I don't know, for some reason, I thought that was Andrew's pick. It was Andrew's pick that we said sounded like Pink. Well, you guys said sounded like Pink Floyd, and I said this sounds nothing like Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, and then you you picked real Pink Floyd. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, so admittedly, that's Pink Floyd that doesn't sound like Pink Floyd anyway. The my pick, but this mm-hmm. the, the, this this particular album gave me uh, actually gave me the, that Pink Floyd vibe. Yeah, definitely. I forgot to mention that, but the second half of In Time in particular is just this very sort of Pink Floyd. Um, Spacey, sort of very dense sonic jam. Yeah, yeah it, it's not the sort of thing I, I'd go for on a regular basis. I don't know what it is. I, actually, I do know what it is. Uh, the the, uh, the guy's a great musician. He, he can really put together a, a 
some 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 what's the word? He can really put together a song, a piece of music. Yeah. But he's got that kind of like vocal thing happening. I mean, it's not mm. nearly as bad as uh, when we did Radiohead <laughs> and Tom York's <laughs> vocals, which yeah, it makes you just want to want to break things. But you know, this is just like, can you can you can you uh, ease up on the falsetto a little bit? Just like take it down to your natural range for a little while. So we can you know hear what you really sound like. I, it's you know it's interesting. We got two two acts talking doing false doing two different kind I, of falsettos on this show. Yeah, I was gonna say, oh yes, and 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 you know, tell us what you think of Sparks. <laughs> <laughs> well, now here's well, well, Russell's falsetto is, is is a proper operatic falsetto, mm-hmm. much like Freddie Mercury or the late Klaus. Well, the late Freddie Mercury, the late Klaus Nomi. Uh, these these people who can really like project when they're doing a falsetto and mm. you know this this fellow is kind of like I can't really be loved with this <laughs> I don't want to wake up my mom <laughs> yeah so that, 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 that's what bugged me the most about this record it's just like god you have a you have more range I can tell sing I totally disagree. I think the vocals are one of the, my favorite parts of this record, and I think that was probably the moment when the vocals kick in on In Time was the was that moment that I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be good stuff. But but you yeah. also like that Radiohead album, so. <laughs> I do like that Radiohead album. I don't, you know, I can see why. The Tom York thing is definitely over the top. I don't never thought of this guy's voice as being falsetto. I think it does have that sort of dreamy pop sort of feel to it, but it doesn't, uh, it really works for me. Yeah, honestly, the vocals don't uh, bug me either. I, 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 I just was, you know, mm. joining in on the pylon just because, you know, sometimes it's fun. Mm. <laughs> but honestly, this is one that, like, I, it's a band that I like when I listen to it, but for whatever reason, it just does not stick with me. Mm. Like, because I, I know, like, I, I mean, like, I first listened to this one, like, what, about three three weeks ago? Because I know that we had, like, a, I think, like, Rich, you were out for the first week, and then I was out for the second week, and so we ended up like not being able to do. Like, I, I think we're basically a month late, mm. and so like I, when we did this, I was like, okay, I, I know my pick, duh. I know Rich's pick. What did Andrew do again? <laughs> and it, I just, I just like did had no idea, and I had to, I, I listened to it again or uh, last night, and I'm going, yeah, this is this is good, but it just doesn't. It's not sticky, and I don't know. I, I like I, I liked um, in time quite a bit, but damned if I can remember how it goes. Other than that, it has like the big quiet bit in the middle. <clears throat> yeah, and, and the fluty outro. And I'll be honest, right, I, right, I right. actually put on a little bit of it while you were setting it up, Andrew, just so I could refresh my memory because it's like it in one ear and out the other. Yeah, I mean, I picked in time because it was the the track that hooked me onto the album and I was pleased to find out that the rest of the album was equally as good in my opinion I think In A Sense is the first single so that one might be a little bit catchier for the listeners I put YouTube videos for both in the show notes um, so that one might have a little bit more In A Sense might have a little bit more of a hook for you whereas In Time is one of the longest tracks on the record almost School is the longest one but um, it's the second longest track so yeah. But yeah. Well, at least this wasn't another you know 70 minute uh 
20 track record. So. <laughs> but but yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing is, I mean, like like I said, as I'm listening to it, I I liked. It. I go like, oh yeah, this is actually pretty good. It's mm-hmm. I don't know, there was, it was just kind of weird in in how it didn't have that that sticking power for mm. for you know yeah I because I, I I mean I was like I. And like I say, I like there's aspects of it. Like I remember, like that it's like really pretty Pink Floydy, mm-hmm. and it has like it's like about like what two three minutes of song, and then it goes into the three minutes of Pink Floyd outro thing. But other than that, though, I mean, like like I I just don't remember any of the actual things about the music that that make it that particular song, and not just you know something else that has three minutes of song and three minutes of Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah, I will admit that the first half of the record is much stickier than the second half of the record. I, I love the first five or six tracks in particular are really some of my favorites. And then the second half of the album is still good, but I agree that I have I couldn't tell you how any of those songs go, although they're just as pleasant to listen to. So, Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is like... I yeah I I I have nothing against it I just and I I mean in in general I I like it it's I just I guess wish it was a little stickier I guess which yeah. I I keep going to that term but it's a good it, term I, yeah it's yeah. lots of good things are sticky like honey yeah I'm definitely gonna keep this around I guess I definitely need more oh, music yeah. that I can like space out to and chill out to and that this this is gonna be one of those good albums for that I can tell so. Definitely, yeah. and, and it might end up being a grower too. You know, like something where, you know, you it, it ends up kind mm. of being a, a stealth thing where you it kind of like tells you to not pay attention to it until you want to until it decides that you've had enough mm. of that, and then it, it it grabs you and throws you down. I had that problem with Kimono My House, actually. Mm, yeah. Well, same with me and, and Sparks in general. I just. I well, except that for the longest longest time, I just didn't get it, and I I didn't like it, you know. Mm. I mean, I, I've told that story before, but I mean, there there are there is music that is like that where it it it, it preps you, I guess. It's like, yeah, yeah, the the yeah, you getting this right now? That's not really working for me. Um, maybe we can maybe in a couple months. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Right now, yeah, you can put me on, but whatever. I, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not really gonna to give it my all this time because you know mm-hmm. I got things to do. I, I'm a busy record. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had the same experience. I ha- I've had the Sparks record on all morning, and I still can't really tell you how any of the songs go except for tits. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think, and I wrote an article about this way back when I used to write articles about things on my website, and um, which you need to start doing again. I know. <laughs> and uh, it can take a lot. It took me forever to get into Umphreys. Um, and now they're one of my favorite bands of all time. But it just took so long for me to understand really what was going on. And like in a given minute of music, there can be so much going on. So when you're faced with 50 minutes and 12 or 15 or 20 songs, like it's a lot to absorb in one sitting and you can tend to get overwhelmed which I think was my experience with the Sparks record and especially a track that is not pop and is not designed to attract listeners on the radio with a hook you know and being three minutes long whereas a tra- uh, an album like Beyond Was All Around Me is very artistic and, and spacious and is content to take its time and to have this three minute Pink Floyd-esque sort of outro um, which I think is to the artist's credit 
but it also is subsequently more challenging to new listeners. Uh, but in my experience, it's usually worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with regards to uh, you know like hooks and radio play, I mean, I don't think Indiscreet actually was a big radio hit, had any big radio hits on it. So, mm. yeah, I think but, Indiscreet was sort of the the end of Sparks' first reign on the pop charts. Like, I think Looks, Looks, Looks did okay. But wasn't uh, but Getting the Swing the big single from that? I That was another of... Because like, I remember they did that one on top of the pops with, like, a marching band, I think. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, but, I mean, again, though, I mean, those ones were sort of, like, oh, you know... It was it was kind of in that that sort of thing where you get sometimes where it's like sort of like, oh, this is the the new band the the re- that really big band I like I should buy the singles kind of perfunctor- perfunctorily and then, you know, and they it ends up kind of doing okay but st- but not in a popular sense like it, it's it was sort of not the smash hit and then the next album, you know, tanks which I think was uh, big beat so yeah. So, and Big Beat was kind of eh. I like it. I, it's okay. I, I like like I, I think it gets a little bit of a bad rap, but I don't think it's like a, a classic like you know indiscreet or kimono. Yeah. I actually do have some some strange perverted love for uh, introducing Sparks. I kind of do too. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, it, Andrew, if you're really curious to get to try give Sparks like a, a deeper tap, go to Kimono My House mm-hmm. and give that yeah. a listen. And that's that's gonna just like. Pay attention, pay attention to the lyrics because that—that's what sold me. Yes. When I when I realized Amateur Hour was about losing your virginity, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, it all makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot go. like playing the violin. You can't start off and be Yehudi Menuhin. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now let's. I think let's, I was. Uh, sorry, Rich. Go ahead. I was gonna try to turn the turn the episode to the uh, sad topic, but. Uh, Oh, well, I was just going to say that I was thinking this morning while I was in the shower, actually, that lyrics tend to be the, the thing that I go to later um, and are definitely not the first thing that I noticed. I tend to, because my ears are so tuned to the bass, being a bass player for yeah. a decade, um, I tend to hear the music first, and that can be play a big role in whether or not a, mu- a record sticks for me off the bat, is whether or not the groove or the, the sound or the tone is there. Hmm. Well, you still probably would like Kimono because that's got some great bass playing on it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we and have. If, a, and if you like too, I was going to say too. I like I've done. You know, we've at Casey's we've done the the Sparks Project, which is sort of like the residence one where you where we've been uh, reviewing every album. And oh, yeah. we we still need to actually review like Isla and I still need to do uh, Two Hands One Mouth, the new the newest live album. But Ooh, can I get other, in on other, that? Oh, sure. Um, other than that, though, we we are up to date. So, like with all the other albums. So, you know, I mean, if 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 you go back and dig Kimono, and want more, you know, feel free because there are some kind of clunkers in there, like the the one that we didn't talk about, um, uh, interior design. That album sucks. <laughs> but but yeah, so I mean, that might kind of be a guide because I. Because I mean that was like kind of the thing with like because I know that you were kind of the impetus for the the residence project because I know you were talking with Rich and was all sort of like oh hey if only there was a guide to every residence album <laughs> that could help someone figure out where to start or which ones were good <laughs> yeah yeah I think some I'll, bands I'll need a, that 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if it's one where it is like, here are, you know, here are 5,000 albums. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> Zappa, for example. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of yeah. trying to read Moby Dick or Ulysses or something by yourself. It's like, that's not going to happen. So, like, you need somebody to, to kind of hold your hand and say, here's why this is great. Yeah, and I've I've uh, thrown a link to the Sparks Project main site in the show notes as well. So, <clears throat> so even though you can just go to Kitty Season and click on yeah. the sidebar, but whatever. <laughs> so we've got some sad stuff to talk about. As mentioned at the top of the show, um, we lost Devo's uh, famous drummer Alan Myers, and Andrew. You you mentioned uh, pre-show, maybe just talking a little bit about you know how what happens when you lose a musical influence like that. Yeah, I mean, I've been extremely fortunate to not have had to deal with a lot of death in my family or um, certainly not in terms of of um, creative influences. I think probably the most impactful was probably when Steve Jobs died um, um, in October of 2011. That was th- the one that I was really like, fuck. I thought you were going to mention the uh, saxophone player for Dave Matthews Band. I can't that one too was name. pretty good. It was pretty bad. Uh, was pretty significant. Uh, Leroy Moore. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty shocking. Also, yeah. So um, I guess the, I had forgotten about that actually, because um, it's been that was 2008 that Leroy died. Um, but otherwise, for the most part, I've been fortunate to not have had to deal with much um, death. But I think you know when I was when I was younger and Dave. You know, I was just really getting into my music fandom obsession via the Dave Matthews Band, and you know, Dave was all I would listen to, and there was nothing greater. And uh, people would be like, "Are you going to cry when Dave Matthews dies?" And I was like, "Well, probably," because you know, even though like we don't know these people, like their their influence and their their ability to console us, you know, throughout our lives or throughout troubled times or whatever is just as significant I feel as somebody that you actually have a personal relationship um, with in person so yeah I mean I don't know I can't so I you know mourn for you guys having to mourn a uh, a major musical influence for one of your favorite bands I can't uh, imagine what that what it's going to be like when you know when Les Claypool dies or Victor Wooten dies or you know that sort of thing it's going to be pretty surreal because they're yeah. so like you know they're on this pedestal of like superhuman musicians who like you know they're you know we describe them frequently as gods right so mm-hmm. it's going to be a bizarre experience when they go yeah like I mean I I've like uh, I actually cried when with uh, over Zappa like I mean it was later uh, it was like I think it was like pretty much the it was on the anniversary of his death I think like the first year I really fell like into like full on Zappa fandom mm-hmm. and I, I put on like Burnt Weenie Sandwich and ended up like kind of being moved to tears by it just because you know the idea that you know I mean someone so talented you know isn't around to put out music anymore you know or to make music and and all that stuff you know i mean it's it is hard i mean it's even even though you know like i mean like i never met zappa obviously and from what i've heard he's he was kind of a jerk but uh, he was an amazingly talented you know person who was probably kind of a jerk you know i mean Mm. you know i mean i i don't think you can like you know listen or even you know look at 
you know, the scores, you know, and go, okay, this guy, you know, this guy is not talented, even whether or not you like him, you know, and it's just sort of, I don't know. And it, it, it's hard. Yeah. I was listening to the song Montana the other day while I was driving and I was found myself wondering like what he would be doing if he was still alive. I know. Probably busting his ass as a classical composer because that that that, that is what he kind of basically spent the last years of his life doing. Mm-hmm. And I know that was what he always wanted to do even back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went into rock because it was uh, actually, you know, people actually listen to rock, you know. Yeah, you know, people would pay him money for that. Um Yeah. <laughs> It's a little weird in the case of Alan because he hadn't played with the band in about 30 years. You know, he left in uh, circa 85-ish. Um, I heard a rumor or, or something, you know, like 12th hand that when Devo was either getting ready to record Total Devo or getting ready to tour Total Devo, they got a phone call from Alan saying, you know, hey, I'm, I'm willing to play with you guys again. And supposedly Mark told him, you know, can't do it. Uh, contextually, I mean... That make you know uh, the people who I heard this from like how could Mark do that you know he was the you know the metronome blah, blah, blah. like you know have so, it this is he, they'd already hired David Kendrick they had already had a contract signed up it, it's a little that that's a little too late to to bring back the original drummer or even as much as you'd want to yeah but uh, I mean you know it, it's weird because we're, we're like I said he hasn't played with the band since like 85 uh, and he barely really played on their on the last album he did with them you know Alex Brunel told me that they did the drums for Shout kind of in a weird way where Alan did play or something I don't know it's a little I never got the details from him but uh, so I I never met the guy I never uh, never seen him play with the band I've just seen like I just heard his work on the records and then con- seen him in concert videos, but I mean, he he did go a long way to sort of defining the band's sound, and that's that's kind of sad. That I mean, Josh Fries, who's the semi-official Devo drummer, started learning the drums after picking up getting the album Freedom of Choice in 1980 for a Christmas gift. Mm. You know, it was the Allen's drumming that made Josh play drums. Yeah, I mean, there, there's actually like an interview when Josh first started playing with Devo where they were, you know, asking the members of Devo like their influences, and Josh goes, Devo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of cool, in a, you know, that you can grow up listening to this band and then suddenly, you know, you're playing for that band. You know, that, that it's really cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's kind of the dream. <laughs> yeah. You know, He's not just keeping the the drum seat warm for Alan. He he's, you know, he's he's really filling in. He's actually a, a part of the band almost. So, yeah, despite the I fact mean, he, that he's despite the fact that he's also part of of like seventeen other bands. Yeah. Good yeah, game. and I, and I mean, I think too. Like, I mean, like with because I I know a lot of people have kind of like dumped on David Kendrick, and I know I've dumped on him. But the thing is, is I mean, David it was a good drummer. It's just that he wasn't Alan, and I think that was a kind of like not fair to Kendrick I think you know I think and I because I mean I know I've I've done that I've you know like kind of beca- I think partly because a lot of times the drumming on um, Total which is mostly programmed by Mark I think from what I've heard is very drum machine you know it's just boom 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 for the most part mm-hmm. and yeah so I mean I think it's sort of 
you know, not really fair to, to David that, you know, even though I, I know that I've I've been there too going, oh man, he sucks. You know. Well, he, he, to be fair, I mean, it, this is this is going to sound really nasty, but he does play Satisfaction wrong. Yes, I, I think that's that's kind of the thing that was that, like... That, that's the general complaint I hear. Yeah, but of course too, it's like, you know, Satisfaction is kind of impossible to play anyway, so it's sort of, you know, I mean, that's sort of a... I, I think that's sort of a, a master level drum thing, you know. Yeah, and to, to be really mean too, uh, I mean, David Kendrick is not Devo's worst drummer. That's uh, this Pete Parada fellow they got for a couple shows in like 2012 or 11. Oh, uh, I don't think I've. I don't think I've it, heard him. Is if you've got that live at the Observatory album that they put out oh, on iTunes, that's Pete. Yeah. Oh. Listen, okay. Yeah, the uh, the drumming on Whip It is so wrong. Hmm. So yeah, um, sorry, 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 Pete Parada. I'm sure you're a fine. You would have gotten the gig if you didn't. If you weren't. If you were. If you really were a bad drummer, but you're just not really the right drummer for Devo. I think. Yeah, and I, I've totally, to be honest, in the, in the very beginning, I felt the same way about Josh. Like, if you listen to like the um, Lollapalooza DVD from '96, I, I think Josh plays a little too punk for for Devo at that time. Uh, he 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 gets. You know, he's gotten a lot more Devo now. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I'm, but I'm just talking about like early, early Josh, you know. Yeah. I'll say this. They definitely, he, he's, he's so integrated that when I saw them play in 2011, that during Whip It, he and Mark were basically, were practically goofing off uh, around the drums. Like, Josh would hit the cymbal, Mark would run over, Mark ran over and st- grabbed the cymbal to stop, and when he went <laughs> back to Josh, Josh hit it again, just on beat, too, but as yeah. if to say, you know, fuck you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and, and I think too it's like because I, I I you know I mean I think because I mean like he started out in the Vandals, which is a pretty awesome punk band, you know. So I think that's sort of where you know he got that, and I think he, you know, because I I think like Devo was one of his earlier like high profile drumming gigs. I think yeah, there, I have a, the I I know we're not we're sort of losing you, Andrew. So we're we're gonna wrench this back onto the original topic. Yeah, I've got the video okay. of the uh, Devo Sundance gig, and it's interesting watching Josh back there because not only is he like just so fucking young, mm-hmm. but he's like, you know, he's he's standing, he's sitting behind the kit, and he's got this these bug eyes, like, oh my god, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm playing drums for Devo. What whole? How did this happen? How did I get here? <laughs> Wrong band. I know, I know, but. <laughs> the, the sentiment is is appropriate, just like, Whoa. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's still like perfectly on beat. He's and everything. You know, he's. It's not affecting his performance, but he's just like, Duh. <laughs> yeah. Every time you look at him, he's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Devo, Devo, drumming with Devo, Devo, Devo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and at least on a lot of Palooza, when you look at him, he's like, he's just, he's in there, he's in the zone. So yeah, it's it's interesting comparison. Anyway, um, I I think the only other person who who who's died that sort of really caught me. I mean, Steve, of course, Steve Jobs. But when Douglas Adams, uh, not even a mm-hmm. musician, but when Douglas Adams, the writer, died in two thousand and one, I was just like, oh, no, same. And, and that same. was just, and that was equally just as like out of the blue. He he died of a heart attack uh, at a gym. 
Yeah, wasn't he like 51 or something like that? 40, 49, I think. 49, oh God, I thought he was at least in his 50s. I mean, that's... I'm, I'm, wow. I'm double checking, and I seem to remember 49 is because it's seven more than 42. <laughs> yes. And uh, if you haven't read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, anyone, um, do so. Yeah. Well, and, and, it is a book yeah. that will change your life. Yes, and and speaking of books that'll change your life too. I mean, when uh, David Foster Wallace died, that was oh, that, oh yeah, that that hit that, me him huge. too, him too. I mean, like I I was like depressed for like a whole week after that, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't even know the guy. I, I just you know read the books. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I seen. Have, I, I think I was more bummed over Douglas Adams because you know. You grew up yeah. with him, yeah, more or less. Same here, yeah. I mean, it's like I, I, yeah, I don't know, like which one hit me harder, but like they were both really, really hard. I was also really bummed when Kurt Vonnegut died, but it wasn't quite so bad because I, it was a shitty way to go. But he had a long life and a long career, so yeah, at least he he got to be old, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. Uh for most of my creative influences they've either been people that are still that died before I was aware of them and thus are sort of the stuff of legend or people that are still doing their thing Um, and I can't you know really think of real creative entities like in terms of a, a whole band that I've even experienced just the breakup of, I mean, even Primus's hiatus, like, I became a Primus fan after um, they had already reunited in 2003. Yeah, um, and it's not like Les didn't do a bunch mm-hmm. of other stuff, in, in, right. even in the, you know, so I mean, like, I mean, like, I was a Primus fan before the hiatus, but I mean, it, it never felt like they really went away, even, you know, just because Prime, um, Les was out there doing doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know when Rush went on hiatus for like four years when Neil Peart's uh, wife and daughter died within nine months of each other or something like that you know I was not a, a fan at the time and I can't you know imagine what it must have been like for Rush fans to have no idea whether or not their favorite band was ever going to get back together I mean four years is a long time to to wait and actually their uh, in their documentary their first show back in 2002 I think was in Hartford um, which is the, a venue that I tend to visit at least once a year. Um, this just must have been an amazing experience to be at that show. So, but I think that, you know, with, I mean, Victor Wooten famously says, um, cites non-musical people as being influences on his music, which has always been kind of inspiring to me. And I think that I feel like as an introverted person with, you know, who has always had a, a handful of um, very close friends as opposed to many acquaintances, you kind of bond with these with these artists and these creative influences in ways that are kind of difficult to explain. Like even, you know, Rich and I being big fans of the 5x5 um, podcast network, like I listen to the, some of these hosts, you know, every week and it's, it really, and Dan, Dan Benjamin has talked about this, it really is like they sort of become friends of yours and you look forward to to listening to their voice and you know and when back to work doesn't record for two weeks it's like there is a a small but significant void and you know and i can't imagine what's going to be like like when one of those guys die and their show 
you know, ends. You know, it's going to be weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was weird when the talk show split from mm. 5 by 5 It's an interesting relationship that we all have with, with fame and or certain values of fame. I mean, to, to go back to Alan for a bit, I mean, I think... I remember a friend of mine in the Devo fan community actually saw Alan at a Devo show in California in 2005. Um, you know, just watching the show, not certainly not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's and I find that interesting that Alan was there. But if she wasn't such a hardcore Devo fan, she wouldn't have gone. Oh my God, that's Alan! Because if you don't know who, if you're not really into the band, you wouldn't know who the hell this person is. Like. He played drums for Devo. That Devo had a drummer. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, he wasn't the guy with the, the glasses, right? Because that guy like sings, right? <laughs> well, interesting. Alan did wear glasses, didn't he? That's true uh, too. But yeah, yeah. He's but yeah. You know, he's not. He's not Mark. He's not. He's not even Jerry. But he's. If you're in that community, if you're in that group, you know, this man is a hero. He's this huge, important guy, and. If you're not in there, he's just some. He's just this this guy who played drums, but admittedly a really great drummer. So you know you like uh, we lost a great drummer, but you know we us Devo fans we lost the drummer. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a it's all about the connection that you get there, and it's you know we we don't know these people, we've never met these people, and if we have met these people, it's under very specific circumstances where, you know, you're not, like, friends with them. You're not hanging with them. I mean, the the most famous person I know, I can honestly claim to know that's famous, is probably John Pfeffer, friend of the show. Um, and I don't think he's going to get stopped. He's, he's not the kind of person who's going to get stopped walking down the street for an autograph. <laughs> mm. He's like, I mean, he's just, oh, yeah, that's a guy from Capillary Action. If you know who Capillary Action is, you'll know who he is. And you know he's. We don't, I don't have to worry about him passing away for a while. I think so. <laughs> but uh, that's what that, you think. <laughs> you hear that, John? <laughs> I'm uh, coming for you. No. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> we, we should probably start wrapping this up. But uh, yeah, it's it's something that happens with music. I, th- I think, especially where you're just you have this connection. That's, that feels really personal, even though you don't know this person, because mm-hmm. you've heard them pour out whatever onto record or in concert. And yeah, um, I'll just wrap this up with one little anecdote regarding Alan. Uh, I have a copy of this book called "In the Beginning Was the End," uh, which is this bizarre pseudoscience book uh, about how humankind evol- evolved or devolved from brain-eating apes. And it was a book that was really uh, influential in the band. And after I, I was able to snag a copy of it of the UK first edition hardcover, and I got Mark, Jerry, Bob One, and Bob Two to sign it. And I always thought, like, oh, what are these days I'm going to be able to get Alan to sign it? You know, be- and not because I wanted it to be worth anything, just because if if I have it's a all copy, a Devo. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. it's if I have a copy of this book, it should be signed by Devo because why the hell not? And now that that's not going to happen, and it feels kind of selfish to say that, but you know, just I always thought I'd have that chance. But now, mm. yeah. And that, and I think that's that's sort of what we're losing here. We're losing the chance, you know, the the, the idea that he might play with Devo again. We're losing all this potential. Mm-hmm. The guy's only fifty eight. Yeah, 
And I'll never get to hear the song Swelling Itching Brain again the same way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so we're about to hit an hour here on the recording. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, Andrew? Or? No, I don't think so. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is, is it, I think it's an Aldous Huxley quote, which says, next to silence, that which comes closest or comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible is music. I think that that really sort of encapsulates the the bond that we sort of develop with these musicians because they have managed to express things that we um, you know otherwise wouldn't have even known how to express or you know been able to find anybody to talk to about or whatever I mean like listening to the Long Winters records you know during my last breakup was like you know a huge savior because you know I had this these songs that somehow managed to speak exactly to what I was going through and managed to you know pull me through it and you know kind of uh, Merlin was talking about during his jury, jury duty experience on the last couple episodes of Back to Work about how you know turning these sort of so-called miserable experiences into opportunities and you know and uh, in that case you know breaking up with my grad school girlfriend was a, a way to sort of discover the long winters and form this this bond with John Roderick as a, as an artist and as a musician so I don't know I don't really have a good way to wrap this topic up but it's a big one. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I kind of think, you know, Vonnegut said it best with, you know, so it goes. Yeah. There you go. Well, where can we all find each other online? Uh, Andrew? Uh, AndrewMarvin.net is my uh, internet website, and uh, AndrewMarvin on Twitter and app.net and most other internet services. Matthew? Uh, com as I pimped a lot this episode, I think. Um, also, Kitty Sneezes on Tumblr and Twitter and AppNet. And uh, I'm at Sansploit.com, Sansploit on the Twitter, on the Last FM, and the AppNet, and wherever you care to find me. We are, of course, CrushOnRadio.com, Crush on Radio on the Twitter and the iTunes. Uh, please leave us a review and might inspire us to do this more often, perhaps. You know, sorry, sorry it's been so long. And what a yeah, way to come back. Um, yeah, for reals. Well, it's been great talking it's to you It's summertime. Guys. Schedules are in flux. And the living is for easy. professors, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, look at you. I'm your, your professor. Look <laughs> at me. <laughs> All right. It's been great talking to you guys, as always. Likewise. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.